Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, how are you guys? Again, this is the Neil Haley Show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm excited to welcome the program. Two-time NBA champion, 10-time NBA All-Star, Ray Allen with his wife, Shannon Allen. Guys, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. I mean, your life, again, had such major accomplishments, Ray, but in 2008, during the NBA Finals, your son was diagnosed with diabetes, and that's that really must have been such a really traumatic thing for you, especially, you know, how fit you guys are and, you know, and you just might've not known much about it and then finding out when he's 17 months old. So that was tough, wasn't it? Yeah. And one thing that we've uh, learned and we continue to learn to this day, like you don't have, we, we don't have a fixed mindset where nothing new is going to come our way and we're not going to learn something different as the day turns. And, and at that moment, even as, as adults with children, whatever was going to happen to us in our lives, like we had to take it from one day to the next. And that was certainly an example of that. You know, it wasn't just because we were playing in the NBA finals and uh, we were picked to win or picked to lose, whatever the situation was going to be, there was a new situation that was always going to kind of come each, uh, each given day. And so that's what it was when, when Walker was diagnosed with, uh, with diabetes, like it was a new situation for us to have, have to figure out we didn't say why did this happen to us we just figured out what we have to do now to try to make sure we keep this this young man alive and uh, from that day till today that's kind of been our mantra like we figure out how to keep you know this young man and all his brothers and sisters alive and then help other families uh, regardless of what they're dealing with you know how to advocate for their children and fight for them so they can keep them alive yeah and shannon what was your how did you respond when you first heard it I heard the diagnosis. I mean, listen, this was this was the moment that changed my life forever. I'm sure anybody that's listening or watching that um, has a child or a loved one with a serious medical condition, an autoimmune condition, you, like Ray said, you know, you're going down one path and, and we're, we're in LA to support Ray for the, the NBA finals. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a hospital room uh, demanding for a, a blood test. And you get this information that your blood sugar is supposed to be between 70 and 120 and your 17 month old son's blood sugar is 639 and his blood sugar is poisoning him to death. I mean, what do you do with that information? I, it was, it was very intense. Um, I definitely was in a lot of prayer and, and then I became a student. I became a student of diabetes. I mean, it was a very, uh, it was a very high learning curve. We were mixing insulin. We were doing eight to 10 finger pricks a day. We were administering insulin injections with shots and, it was a lot and it, it, it hasn't changed that much to be honest with you. Um, you know, diabetes doesn't take a day off for your birthday or for SAT tests. It really doesn't. But you know, this teaming up with Abbott has been really special for our family and having access to a device like the Freestyle Libre 2 has really given Walker a level of independence and confidence that has been a game changer for him. 
And how's that been a game changer? Explain, Ray, how that has for Walker. Well, uh, we I always show people um, like Walker when he gets in out of pools, his fingers are are wrinkled and they're they're like really white, and then you can see all the holes in his fingers. So he's constantly like we sneak into his bedroom in the middle of the night, and you know you have to pull his arm out of his sheets, and we got to check his finger just to make sure that he uh, isn't either too high or too low. So now with the the Freestyle Libre two. You know, you could just wave the wand over over his sensor and it tells you that number and you don't have to disrupt him at all. And because one of the things that's the most difficult walker is he doesn't sleep as well as we don't sleep oh, comfortably through the night. He doesn't sleep. So, yeah, so we're always waking him up. So we're breaking his REM sleep. So we need Walker to sleep more because he's at his most uh, important growing uh, periods of his life. And so. Freestyle Libre 2 is allowing us to keep him sleep longer so we can just wave that wand over him and, and get his number and not have to disturb him. We don't have to from a high or a low. Um, so just from that aspect of his life, it's going to you know pay dividends for him long term. Mm -hmm. And that see that technology to be able to get that extra rest. How important is that, especially with diabetes, Shannon? For all of us, yeah. you know, you think about all of us. Oh yeah, I know how right. how cranky you are. Yeah, exactly. You don't sleep. Like you wake up in the morning, <laughs> and then you know it, it's not even you can't even function. And then at some point, you're trying to find that sleep again somewhere at some point. So you take shortcuts throughout your day. You know, I need to get to a nap. I need to pull over. I need to do something. So you fight tooth and nail every way you can to try to get to your your eight hours of sleep and make sure that you're able to be productive and, and just imagine you know walker at 17 months to now 14 years old like if we're not putting him in a position to to utilize rest as much as he can to repair his body and to heal and go out to the world and be great then you know we're putting him at a disadvantage right because he won't be able to grow you know you you when you grow, you sleep, you grow. And exactly. we want him to reach his full genetic potential. I mean, I'm only 5'2", right? But we don't want him to stop where I am. We want him to get to 6'5", <laughs> or 6'5 and a half over here. And so we want him to get that critical rest um, and to, to really make sure that, you know, this vessel that he's been given, this body does everything that it's supposed to do. So it really has empowered him to take more responsibility for his own diabetes care. And it's given us that peace of mind and knowing that he's able to really get to that genetic potential that he deserves to reach. So it's, it's you also great. talked about, we're really, yeah. really excited about it. That's great. Ray, you also talked about bringing awareness towards diabetes. That's a mission of yours, mm -hmm. isn't it, Ray? You and your wife. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I learned a long time ago, like when people are going through things, you, some people kind of cordon off, you know, that, that, that trauma, that adversity, and they don't, talk about it because they think it's a private issue. And, and and I've been around people who, when they go through things, they bring people in because they want to teach and they want to show people, you know, kind of how to proceed forward. And uh, I have so many different examples over the course of my career. And so when we went through this, when Walker was diagnosed, we knew we wanted to bring people in because we wanted to educate people on what to face, what to deal with, what to expect, uh, because we didn't want, you know, the decisions we made saved Walker's life and we didn't want to, we exactly. want to make sure nobody else lost a child because of this. So what we did was we printed out little trading cards uh, 
talking about diabetes and the warning signs. And uh, uh, I think it was the next couple of games we, over the course of the season, we would hand them out a game so people at least could see that and understand it. And figure, you know, if if one parent sees it and, and just makes a better choice, it this education, that awareness at least gives you another something that you can go to as a parent to ask a doctor a question and, and, and it can save your child's life. And Shannon, I guess you've learned a lot from others, right? About other families are going through the same thing you're going through, right? Through this support network once you've learned about it, didn't you? And especially being bringing that awareness, right, Shannon? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, so often when, when you hear that people are experiencing something, um, whether it's for a child or a loved one or a parent, um, you know, it, it gives you this sense that I'm not alone in this. And when you share and, and you give people a, a, a peek into your own life, it's like growth mindset. Like Ray said, like some sometimes people have challenges and it's just like breaks you completely. And then there are those people in life that go through really hard stuff and they're able to share it and rely on the strength of the community. And they somehow, you know, like a rose growing through concrete, they come out on the other side of it better and stronger and smarter. And, and I would like to think that certainly Ray and I don't have all the answers, um, but there are some amazing people that do like Abbott and, exactly. uh, and some others in, in the scientific world. And, and we can rely on them, you know, visit freestylelibre2.us, get a free sample of the Libre2, try it and be empowered, um, be empowered with your diabetes and, and, and for your loved ones. So it's uh, that sharing is so, so crucially important, I think. Any other projects you got going on right now, Ray, that you want to talk about that you've been doing yeah. your fans? What's going on? <laughs> um, well, I've, I've been coaching uh, my son's AAU team, 16 and under. So we've been doing that, you know, weekly, uh, playing tournaments on the weekend. And uh, that that's keeping me super busy. That's great. Uh, we, Shannon and I, we own a restaurant uh, called Grown. It's an organic fast food restaurant. So that certainly oh, keeps really? our, our plate full. And we're opening a new restaurant. On Miami Beach here the next uh, couple of weeks, so you know it certainly keeps the the family busy and uh, the kids. The, you know, going back to when we were in Boston, we certainly know uh, that we're always trying to figure out how to eat better and cleaner, and uh, so we're trying to put that good stuff out there to give people better choices. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. Everyone needs to check out the restaurant as well. Appreciate you guys both stopping by and we'll be in touch, Shannon, for sure. And Ray about some other projects. Okay. All right. Sound good. All right. Take care, guys. Awesome. Okay. Thank, thank you, you guys. Right. Take okay. Care. Uh, that was the Neil Haley show. Take care, guys. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mike Velarde Show, and I'm excited to welcome to the program. Mike Velarde. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Great uh, show today, Neil. I know. It's a great show, especially what's happened. Your expectations, your predictions of how things have kind of gone 
in the toilet, in your opinion, uh, in the first hundred days, I guess, for Biden, whatever, how many days, uh, it continues with what we're seeing happening in Israel. Isn't that true? Oh, yeah. My, my book, The Time of His Coming, is coming to pass. And today we got two very special guests, Rabbi Ari Spiros here with us. Rabbi, welcome to the show. Thank you. And my good friend, Rob Whitmore. Thank you, Rob, for being here. Absolutely, Mike. Always a pleasure. <laughs> so we're going to let Rabbi Spiro talk about what's happening in the Mideast. And I want, I want you know, his feelings on Biden, his strategy, and what he thinks is ultimately going to happen over there. So we're going to start with you, Ari. Well, for the 25th time, Hamas, which is a Muslim terrorist organization, sometimes the PLO, which is another terrorist organization, both of whom want to eradicate the state of Israel and basically the Jewish people there between uh, the Mediterranean and the Jordan River. So for about the 25th time, they've launched a war missiles, what they call the Intifada, against the Jewish people, the Jewish state of Israel. They launched about 4,000 missiles thus far. Israel's trying to defend itself. One way that they do that is by shooting back. The problem is that unlike Israel, unlike America, unlike the West, where we cherish our children and we try to protect our children when we go to war, the Muslim Hamas and the Muslim PLO are just the opposite. They put their children out in front, basically as shields so that they cannot be attacked because they know that most Western people do not want to attack if children are going to be involved. So they put their missiles in hospitals, they put their missiles that they launch against Israel from the Gaza Strip. They, they put those rockets in um, schools, elementary schools. And so it makes it very difficult for the Israelis to defend themselves because their missiles end up in these buildings and they have to because that's where the missiles from the Gaza Strip from the Muslim Palestinians is being launched from. But nonetheless, they try their best. But this did not happen during the last four years of the Trump administration because the PLO, the Hamas, the, the Muslim world, the terrorist world understood that with President Trump, he would take the side of Israel. And indeed he did. But when Biden came in, immediately what he did was he showered money on all of the Hamas, the Palestinian groups, they're all really the same. They have different names. One is political, one is military, but they're all in cahoots. He showered, Biden showered them with money. He also let it be known that he'll do anything to get Iran to make a deal with America, which is not in America's interest. It's more in the Iranian interest, but that's a separate story. Why the Democrats, be it Obama or be it now Biden, want to make these alliances with Iran. All these people that are trying to destroy Israel, if it's the Hamas, the PLO, the Arab terrorists, the Islamic Jihad, they're all proxies of Iran. During mm -hmm. the four years when President Trump was president, the Iranians knew not to set their proxies in motion because President Trump would retaliate, certainly economically. Now they know that Biden is so desirous, so lustful to have a deal with Iran, 
that Biden will not get in Iran's way, even when Iran is behind the attacks against Israel, even when it's using its proxies. Trump is gone, Biden is in, Israel's in trouble. And of course, let me just finally conclude, this is all part of the Black Lives Matters left-wing woke so-called social justice. What happened here in America after the George Floyd incident, which would have happened no matter what, this was something that was planned by the left, mm -hmm. is not happening in Israel. These people have decided, the Hamas, the PLO, the Arab terrorists, to destroy Israel. They've used an excuse about some real estate dispute in Jerusalem. It's all excuses to cover up or to give some type of justification for a war that they've planned. And just like you have groups in Black Lives Matters that have planned way before George Floyd to do something to change America and to give its power over to the BLM, we've got the same thing happening, a left-wing neo-Marxist uh, type of uh, assault on the establishment of the country, be it here in America, or be it against Israel. So that's my synopsis for this uh, first part of the program. Well, thank you very much, Ari. Um, you know, what's interesting, and I don't know if you know the backstory on the George Floyd uh, murder, but he was in cahoots with the cop, Derek Chevin. They knew each other. They actually had a relationship and they were involved in a counterfeiting operation. And when George Floyd went out and spent that money, he was told not to the cop was told to take him out so he doesn't talk. So he, so it wasn't a black white thing at all. It was a matter of two people who were in, in cahoots in criminal activities together and one was trying to cover up for the other. Wow. Somehow that never made the, uh, the national news, but I'd got that information while I was a candidate for Congress. And of course it made sense. Well, you know, you know, Mike, uh, one of the things that uh, is interesting that Rabbi Spiro brings to the conversation is the domestic threat here in America uh, that's being perpetrated by the leftist, socialist, Marxist-minded people um, and what's happening concurrently uh, in, in Israel. So, uh, uh, I, I applaud Rabbi Spiro for bringing that to the conversation because it's back to the old story about, uh, you know, America and Israel, the two leading uh, forces in democracy uh, being being put on the front lines, uh, dealing with this culture war. Um, and uh, and Mike, you know, Rabbi Spiro is also known as a as a general in the culture war. So thanks for having him on today's show. Oh, you're kidding. It's my pleasure, Rabbi, to have you on. I have, a I have a question for Rabbi Spiro. Basically, it was very interesting. I was in a room uh, on Clubhouse, 6, 6 a.m. It was about podcasting and someone from Israel came on saying we're being bombed and all these different things. And I said, that's too bad. Never happened for four years. And this lady stopped me saying, that's not true. 
we have the same stance for Israel by the Biden administration has the same stance. And I said, I didn't want to get in a debate with you because ultimately it's common sense. Even if I, whatever political side I'm on, things don't look as good and they were peaceful for four years. Mm -hmm. And so now it's all happening again. It just happens that this happened. So basically she said, no, we are protecting Israel. And we have the same, we are still, and she says, I'm Jewish and we're, we're prepared to, so tell the Jewish people out there that are not, are pro-Biden and pro-Democrat that they're, that he is not, he is not standing strong for Israel anymore. Well, you know, a lot of people, Jewish people that are Democrats, first and foremost, till the day they die, they'll be Democrats. Yeah. It's actually more important to them than Jewishness or Judaism by far. It's their religion almost being a Democrat and they're, and their Bible is like the Democrat Party platform. Yeah. Those people are going to be loyal to a Joe Biden or a Barack Obama or a Hillary Clinton over Israel anytime. So when they say that, oh, well, I'm Jewish, you know, there used to be an expression, sometimes a non-Jewish person would, who might not like Jews would say, but some of my best friends are Jews. Yes, 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 you know. And we've got the same thing with Jewish people that are Democrat, but I'm Jewish. And so therefore I can tell you that what Biden and Obama is doing with Israel is really good for Israel. No, it's not. You're a Democrat to your dying day. You're a leftist. Most of these people, they're on the side of Black Lives Matters. Mm-hmm. And they try to fool you by saying, well, I'm Jewish. And I think Biden is doing a very good pro-Israel job. Uh, don't believe it. These people, they might like Israel, but it's way down on the list. Number one is being a Democrat. Number two is being a left liberal. Number three is being part of any fad for wokeness and so-called social justice, which I call in today's world, social injustice. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, Israel is way down on their list. It's a lot, it's nice to say you, you like Israel, but the way that you really know if somebody believes in something is when you force them to choose. And every single time the liberal Jews have forced to choose between Israel and the Democrat Party, they'll choose the Democrat Party. No question about it. 99.9% of the time. We have about 30% of the Jewish population here in America that's Republican or conservative. And because they love America, they love Israel. Those that love Israel, love America. It's because it's like Rob said, it's the last bastion of democracy or our, our Judeo-Christian ethos. And they are both countries that have a strong identity, which is something that the left hates. So um, these, I have to tell you something. Many of the people involved in making the deal for Iran, be it in the Obama administration or today in the Biden administration, they're Jewish. Even though Iran promises that they're going to use their uh, bombs to bomb out Israel. You have (laughs) Jewish people that put their interests way above Israel. So don't believe them. They're just trying to fool you. Mike, uh, what what I'd like to do is take a moment, if you will, to um, position Rabbi Spiro's great book, Mm. Pushback, okay? Which uh, is all about reclaiming the American Judeo-Christian spirit. And uh, if, if I may, just for the audience, I'd, I'd like to just read a quote about uh, the importance of the message that Rabbi Spiro delivers, not only here with us today, but in this great book from uh, General Boykin. 
Uh, Rabbi Spiro was one of America's foremost authorities in the nexus of faith and freedom. Through an historic analysis of the founding of this nation and the intent of the forebearers, Rabbi Spiro offers a very thoughtful blueprint for the recovery of American pride and American exceptionalism. This book will give the reader hope for the future of our nation. So I encourage our, our audience to grab a copy um, following today's show and look and following the blueprint. You, you, Mike, you, you've spoken so much about conservatism on previous shows, the connection between faith, family, and freedom. And again, I'm, I'm grateful for your leadership uh, and, and Rabbi Spiro's leadership and, 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 the, and the audience. Neil, thank you for once again hosting uh, uh, today's uh, show. Rabbi, where is your book available? Is it in bookstores? Well, at this point, what you do is you go to our website, which is Caucus for America. We have an organization called Caucus for America. So you'd go to www.caucusforamerica.com and you can purchase the book there. And that's the best way. We don't want to be, uh, uh, I just think that's the best way to do it. We originally were selling it on Amazon. Amazon uh, depleted all the books that they had. And then we had to make a decision about renewing with Amazon. And uh, I decided that we're gonna just do this off of our own uh, website. Interesting. What we have right now going on in the world is a war against yeah. America, against Israel, against Western values, uh, against white people, yeah. and against uh, Jewish conservative people. And it takes different forms in different countries. In this country, it's the Black Lives Matters and the Antifa that are waging the war. And they're waging the war in behalf of respectable Democrats. Democrats who are in fancy suits and ties and in Congress, they can't go out and intimidate the public through riots or things like that. But they have proxies. And the proof that there are proxies is all you needed to do was to have one major Democrat in the summer when we're going through all these riots and all this looting, stand up and say, no, you've got to stop. This is wrong. You can't beat up American people. You can't burn down cities. You can't loot stores and, merchant and merchandise and throw down statues. Not one of them criticized Black Lives Matters or Antifa, not one even though they were doing terrible damage to the American people. So you understand that they're proxies for the greater powers, the suits, the same thing. And of course, it's all done in the name of social justice. You know, the left knows how to do this. They know how to co-opt the language and convince people that their cause is noble, so noble that you should give up your rights. You should give up your freedom of speech, your freedom of assembly so that they can take over. And many people are duped by this. And the same thing's happening in Israel. You, want, you have people that want to destroy Israel. And so what do they do? Well, they themselves cannot go out and uh, afflict physical damage. They've got suits. They're politicians. Uh, they're businessmen. And so they use the Hamas and they use the Islamic Jihad to do their dirty work. And they, of course, do it all in the name of something that's noble. Oh, it's for social justice. This word social justice has been so bastardized 
It, most of what's happening now is really a social injustice, but that's what the left does. This is a worldwide war by the Rabbi, left. Rabbi, can, can you take a moment to just help our audience appreciate and understand the, the premise, the false premise, the, the false narrative perhaps, that the Palestinians convey that tries to undermine the legitimacy of Israel and, it, and, its, and its presence and, and, and existence in the Middle East. They don't want Israel to be in the territory of Israel. They want it for themselves. Islam has done this all across the world. They took a country that was called Persia, which was made up of Persians, and the religion was Zoroastrianism. They came in, and now it's Islamic. Islam came in and took this over. People don't realize that. They think, well, Iran was always Islamic. It was never Islamic. It was Persian, right. Cyrus, Darius. Right. They did the same thing with Lebanon. <laughs> Lebanon was a Christian country. Even in my lifetime, when I grew up in the 50s, it was a Christian country, beautiful country, Maronite Christians. It was a Christian company, country. Saul of Tarsus was in, 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 in many of the cities of Lebanon. They took it over. And now it's a Muslim country. In our own lifetime, we saw this happen. The same thing with Iraq. Iraq was not a Muslim country. Iraq was a, a Christian country for some. It was a, an Akkadian country, a Babylonian country. They came in and took it over. Same thing here now with Israel. This land <coughs> between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean, now called Israel, was always part of ancient Israel. Okay. The Jews were exiled from their land by the Romans, but they always kept a presence there. But aside from the Jews, really not much was happening in that land. But the Jews always had a presence there. Nobody was living there. Finally, in about 1880s, the Jews decided it's time to go back to our land. And what they did was they cultivated that land and they built this wonderful country that we see today on their ancient original soil. There were no such things as Palestinians. That was a name that was given by the Romans. That was 1948 was Israel, right? Correct. Israel was established. But the, the settlement... The rebuilding of the state of Israel started about 60 years before. It takes a long time. We had the same thing in our country. We came here, and but it took 100 years after we arrived until there first was a 1776 where America was declared. It takes many years to first build up a region that you're ready to declare a state. When Israel started to build up that region, and there were hospitals and health clinics, electricity and roads, things that were never there before, Arabs from around that region, from mostly what is today Jordan, Syria, Egypt, they said, let's go to this place because there are jobs there. There are hospitals there, a much better quality of life. There's electricity, there's roads. And they went in there. But all they are is Arabs from other countries. They are not some type of native indigenous people called Palestinians. Because there is no Palestinian nationhood. There's no flag. There never was a flag. A nation needs a flag, a constitution. It needs a, 
uh, a certain type of language. There is no Palestinian language, it's just Arabic. There is no Palestinian constitution, flag, coinage, currency, nothing. What they decided to do was, since they knew they couldn't physically destroy Israel, they invented this thing called Palestinian people and said that, oh, we've been here for thousands of years and it's really our land. Well, it's not so. And they figured that they could achieve diplomatically through the United Nations or through people like Obama. They thought they could achieve taking over that land, something that they couldn't do militarily. So that's the propaganda. It's no different than in the United States today. You've got the propaganda from the left saying that the country, United States was based only on slavery. And because it was based on slavery, it's no good. It has to be replaced. White people, out. Founding fathers, out. Constitution, out. And we at Black Lives Matters and other liberals, because Black Lives Matters is just a front for them, we're going to make a new country. Same thing in Israel. Israel, out. Israel, we're going to replace you with the so-called Palestinians. They're all using language and fictitious narratives to destroy countries and people and take over for themselves. Rabbi Spiro, uh, you mentioned Obama. I recall Obama uh, in his final days calling for the return to the 1967 borders. Can you clarify that for us and why that would be a huge mistake? Well, that was a sneak attack that Obama did. Obama, unknowns to the pro-Israel Jewish community, not all Jews are pro-Israel. Right. Just like not all people that are born in America today are pro-America. Right. It's just, it's just startling how many there are in America tens of millions of people born in this country who are American and receive benefits by being an American who hate this country. Right. And we have the same thing with uh, uh, Jewish people. Just because they're born Jewish, they should like Israel, but they don't. You know, there's there are a lot of demons inside human beings. Self-destructive, self-destructive behavior. Self-destructive, suicidal behavior. It, it starts on an individual level. Sometimes it grows to a collective level. So in 1967, Israel was attacked. It was attacked before. And so everyone agreed that Israel cannot go back to the same borders that they had in 1967 because those borders were not sufficient to protect Israel. Right. Because that attack in 1967 was pretty successful until finally some miracle in the last few days protected Israel, but basically those borders, at one point, they're only nine miles between the sea and the bombardment of the, the Muslims, the Muslim Arabs. They're not safe borders. They're called the Auschwitz borders. Every administration knew that when there would be some type of peace agreement, although I don't know if that will happen, that the borders for Israel would have to be widened to what originally it was supposed to be based on the Balfour Declaration uh, right around World War II. Those borders were supposed to be much larger than they are today. Nobody ever thought that there'd be a United States president that would insist that Israel go back to the 67 borders, to those Auschwitz borders. Unknowns to most people, pro-Israel, Obama had arranged with other countries to, in the United Nations, call for Israel 
to go back to those 1967 Auschwitz borders. It was after the end of his term. It was the end of his second term. He couldn't be reelected. And he figured he could get away with it. That was his last act, dastardly, stealth, sneaky act, destructive act against Israel. He would do the same thing to America too, because generally those people that hate Israel hate America. And those that hate America hate Israel. And we're seeing this with all this intersectionality. And that's what he did. And um, who knows what lies ahead because Obama very much pulling the strings here in the Biden-Harris administration. Ari, it, it, is, it is critical for us to, to move ahead um, and, and restore, uh, as you say, reclaim the American ethos. What, what path forward? What is, what is America going to do in our best interest for America, for Israel, and for democracy? What do you see as that, as that path forward for us? Well, it's best for all people, if they live in Israel or if they live in America, for those that love their country, America or Israel, to realize that they themselves have to become soldiers in this battle, not to carry guns and to go man the tanks and the pilots, to be pilots in the Air Force. That's for the military. But it's a culture war. And the only way you win a culture war is by speaking out in behalf, defending your culture, and also pinpointing who the enemies of your culture are, and letting the other people know that these are not innocent, innocuous, harmless forces for social justice. These are Marxists that want to take away your right to free speech, free assembly, to defend yourself. They want to take away those rights. They want to take away primarily your wealth, because a lot of it is based on envy. They want yeah. your wealth. They want to do it through redistribution of, uh, of, of wealth, through taxes, reparations, affirmative action, all of these things. They want to do it through taking away the land in Israel. You've got to be aware of it and fight it. First of all, by willing to stand out and say, I love the country, America. I love the constitutional system. We're not perfect, but we're better than any other society. And those people here in this country that have grievances, they have it better here than they had it back in their old countries. Better here, if they didn't, if it was so good back in the Middle East, why are they coming here from Iraq and Iran and from Pakistan and all these countries? You have to be able to defend the country, but you also have to be able to, to shoot verbal, verbal uh, missiles at, the, at those that want to take away your freedoms. You have to understand that there's no guarantee that America is going to exist forever. It only exists so long as there is a majority that wanted to be a constitutional- So it's so important, Rabbi, the upcoming midterms in 2022 that change it, or if not, it's too late. You have to do, you have to, you can't, vote for the Democrats, our, our disappointment is that we have so many Republicans that we elect and we put our faith in them and then they disappoint us. They're not, they're not fighters or someone like a Mitt Romney, they live in such a bubble that they don't understand right. the war. So there has Mitt to be a transformer, for sure. Was uh, 
was 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 lauding BLM while they were rioting. Exactly. And when President Trump was saying that you've got to bring in the National Guard to protect the American people, Mitt Romney was self-righteously condemning exactly. President Trump. So, Mike, so Rabbi, where can we again purchase your book? Where can we go? Caucus for America. So you go to www.caucusforamerica.com. This is a battle for the soul of America. It's your country. You've got to fight for it. No one else is going to fight for your family or your country. And people got to get out of their chair and do what's uncomfortable. They've got to become outspoken in their love for America and to not allow other people to make us feel guilty that we now have to give up all of our freedoms to people who hate the country and people who hate many of us. They hate us, many of us, because we're white or because we're Jewish. They're racist. And you gotta be able to, to fight that. There's no free lunch. You gotta fight for your country if you want it to exist. Well, we gotta stop the voter fraud too, because we can't allow what happened in 2022 that happened in 2020. And then there's no doubt in my mind that there was an excessive amount of pre-planning that went into that event to make sure that Donald Trump would not be the president even though he got 10 million more votes than he got in 2016. A higher percentage of the black vote and the Hispanic vote, which means he absolutely had to win. But he did lose the uh, Civil War vote, and that's what really hurt him. They all voted for Biden, all those Civil War veterans. All right, so that's the Mike's joke. So, Mike, best place we can connect with you, winningtaxsolutions.com and yep. mikevillardibooks.com for your yep. book. And then, Rob, do you have a website or anything? Where can people connect with you? Yes, thank you. The best place to uh, connect and join the movement, uh, the conservative movement, is AmericanCatalyst.org. Okay. All right. Appreciate you guys. Thank Great you, Mike Gillardi show. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rob. And thank you, Mike. Take care, guys. Goodbye, everybody. All right, guys. That was the Thanks Mike Gillardi show. Take care, guys. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and it's Andrew Shackin Show. Andrew Shackin time. You never know what Andrew's going to talk about. Andrew, what's going on? What's, what were you talking about? Let me tell you what I'm going to talk about today. It's a very important topic for me, and it really hits me very significantly. That is Jesus' call of the first disciples. Now, Jesus, Jesus was not a person who apparently judged people by their education, which the modern world, they will often ask you what school you went to. No, it's a, it's a question that many people will ask, don't they? Neil? Right, yeah. yeah. They ask what school, because they're making a judgment on you. Yeah, they make a judgment, they exactly. They want to see, are you a Ivy League graduate or something like that? And they want to uh, place you, and if you went to a community college, they want to place you down, correct? Yes. Okay. So, but Jesus didn't treat people that way. He didn't see people that way. He called fishermen from their fishing boats. Now, what kind of judgment was Christ? This man, Jesus, what kind of person was he? That he apparently saw intellect and grasped the thought and worth of a fisherman. Now, fishermen, fishermen, are they a top people in the, in the society? Uh, no, no, they're not. Are garbage men the top people? No. In fact, isn't it true? And let's get down to brass tacks, Neil. And many people despise these working people. 
Some people did, but at that time it depends. Well, if you, you know, let me put it this way. Many people, I know many people, and you do too, Neil, because you're in the world like me. Many people judge people by their appearance, correct? Yes. Their suit, if a, a woman will definitely go for a guy in a nice suit, right? Correct. Why is that? What kind of judgment they make it up? They don't know this person. They don't know that person at all, no. Why do they judge him because he's got a nice suit? I don't know why. It's, it's, is, is it a assumption that person has money and power? Yeah, it's a definite assumption they have money and power, Andrew. So they are not going to see a guy in a dirty garbage shirt, garbage man, wearing a lifting cans as a person of money. No. Uh, but uh, and so I say Jesus looked at things differently. He looked at people differently. Matter of fact, he also called a tax collector. Tax collectors were very unpopular people. Correct. They might be compared to pimps today, something like that. Yeah. Uh, they were they were the hated Roman government. They were people that, that Palestinian Jewish society detested. Yet he chose that person to be his follower. But what is this guy thinking? What do you think this man Jesus, who lived two thousand years, he's looking at his... people, Andrew? Jesus what? is looking at people that um, are the right people. He's looking for those kind of people. He is looking at the kind of people they are. Right. Not their job. And also, Look. he's not making this the incorrect assumption. And you know, you're a person of experience now. You know, he is not making the incorrect assumption that money and education equal talent and ability. He didn't Correct. make that assumption. He's looking he? at people ordinary that can go out and spread the word. Maybe you didn't think they were ordinary. Okay. He, he made a different assessment than you and me about ordinary. He didn't think they were so ordinary as, he, as they might be thought of, huh? He's all powerful, Andrew. Well, he sees like an x-ray into the real person. Too bad. The people that don't want to be seen that way because of their wealth and suits and jobs. That's okay. Jesus Christ sees people and judges people differently. And he called the kind of people I just described to be his followers and found his church. Fishermen and a tax collector. Too bad. If they're the bottom of society, he didn't think so. Okay, shackandshow.com for more information. Andrew, you got some books coming out. Tell us. I got both three books. I got a book on the Psalms coming out uh, at the end of May, beginning of June. It's a commentary on all 150 Psalms. I have a book on the miracles in the Bible that I'm preparing. I have a book of blogs, literary, uh, uh, theological, religious, and, um, and, uh, other sorts of blogs, uh, uh, political and current events. And I have a book on the commentary, which I'm just starting on the book of Job in the Bible. Book of Job in the Bible is a fascinating piece of writing. And let me say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this once. You have kids. I know you did. You better get your kids to a bookstore and a library and start them reading. But unless our society starts reading again, I see it, we are going to be in effectual darkness. And many, many in our society, I believe, our educational system is bringing people down to zero. Okay, shackandshow.com. Good talking to you, Andrew, and we'll talk soon. Right, bye. You listen to Neil Haley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.